Here they come! Hello, and welcome to episode 39 of Effectively Speaking, the podcast that takes a look at some of the special effects sequences of film and television, be they classic, average, or duff. I'm your host, Eric Moore, and as we're now in the month of Halloween, I thought we'd have a month of horror characters. To start things off, we're going with the two earliest film versions of Frankenstein, both a classic universal take, but also the little-known Edison version from 1910. And I'm joined by Matt from Neozaz Productions for the journey. U.S. number 31 calling McMurdo. Come in. Over. U.S. number 31 calling McMurdo. Urgent. Come in. Over. Hello, Matt. Hello. Hello, and welcome along to the first of four horror char- characters we've got this month. Uh, oh, great. Yeah, and I guess like when we did the King Kong episode, it's kind of daft to say to you, when did you come across Frankenstein, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> I don't even have a clue. That's just one of those things that I, I would. I've always known who Frank the Frankenstein's monster was. It's hard not to. And I don't really recall when I first saw the movie. It's just, again, I think it's probably one of the Saturday or Sunday matinees on a local TV station that eventually uh, became a uh, that they did every year. And I eventually had gotten a habit of watching it, but don't recall when that actually started. Yeah, I, I think I didn't see it until maybe the early 80s, but. You know, you you grow up on Frankenstein. It was in so much, you know. It, yeah. It was in cartoons. It was uh, you had variations of him in, you know, Scooby Doo. Um, you know, you always saw them on bubblegum cards, and there were always stills. There's parodies. You had Lurch in the Adams Family. So you always had, had these variations of the monster, didn't you? Yeah. Um. Now you say the variations. I would probably say. Uh, if I ever act, actually watching a Frankenstein's monster, my first exposure was probably the monsters, which is clearly a it's easy hmm. Frankenstein's monster parody. So maybe that's my very first viewing of a character of that type. And then the movie. But that's that's the best timeline I can come up with. I really don't know when I first saw any monster. It's just always been there. Right. I, I know for sure the very first time I saw Frankenstein's monster, and it wasn't this film. It was actually Son of Frankenstein. Okay. And it sounds very bizarre now, but back when I was, I don't know, about five or six. So we're talking like the, the late 60s. There was a local flea pit um, near us. And mm-hmm. what we did on a Saturday morning, you, you waited at the bus stop. This this coach came along. The kids got on and you paid and it got you your bus ticket. And it was also a, a, the ticket to get into the cinema. Okay, and it was Saturday morning cinema and you'd go along there and, you you know, in Gremlins where all the Gremlins are in the cinema at the end when Snow White's (laughs) on and you just got that complete pandemonium. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it was like. It was just a free for all. Yeah. All the, uh, these horrible screaming kids and they would put on. I always remember they used to put on Woody Woodpecker cartoons. You always had a ton of cartoons and then you would have a film. And the only film I can remember watching was Son of Frankenstein. They actually showed Son of Frankenstein to like little six and seven year olds. 
Okay. Wow. Um, okay. At, well, and, that's yeah. At, at, by the time you were six or seven, it wasn't so as frightening as it probably was at, at its release. No, I'm I'm sure. I mean, now it's a PG. Um, yeah, right. I'm pretty sure it was, you know, a higher rating when it first came out. We we had this discussion when we were talking about War of the Worlds. Right. Yes. Um, but yeah, I I can clearly remember all the girls screaming whenever the monster appeared <laughs> and everyone cheering. I can distinctly remember Basil Rathbone swinging on that rope and knocking the monster down into the into the sulfur pit or whatever yeah. it was, you know. So yeah. that was that was my first time I ever saw the proper Frankenstein's monster. Oh, okay. But I didn't see this film, as I say, until it was on TV, maybe sometime in the early 80s, something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Late 70s, early 80s at best for me as well. Yeah. But looking at them now, I mean, I'm like yourself. I'm a big Universal uh, monster fan. But you look at them now, and so many of these these early horror films, they, they started so many, you know, classic tropes um, that kind of went on to become cliché. So when you look at them now, you think, oh, it's a bit of a cliche. But, it, of course, it wasn't a cliche back then, you know. Right. <laughs> we had that discussion. We covered some of these movies, not all of them yet, but on, on another show. It's kind of our – it's it's um for our, our the show that covers Halloween Horror Nights at Universal, which is a seasonal thing. When the season's over, we are going through these movies. And that is, like, one of our first observations talking about – it was either Frankenstein or Dracula. It, 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 the exact same thing you said is, like, we were, we we're using the word tropes and cliche, and then we're like, well – it's not really when it's the first one to do it, you know, so we've made that observation as well. I always think that when you have that stock sound effect for the uh, thunder, it's always yeah. the same sound of thunder. And of, but of course, this was revolutionary and this was all brand new. You know? Yes, <laughs> That's exactly. What you've got to yeah. try and tell yourself. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to go into the clip now and then we'll have a talk about it. OK. All right. Here he comes. Let's turn out the light. start with Colin Clive as Henry Frankenstein and you've got Edward Van Sloan there as Dr. Waldman and uh, they're in his nifty laboratory aren't they? Yes. And <laughs> um, I, I, th There's a reason I chose this sequence. I, I wanted to do Frankenstein for the first of the October's horror characters and there's a reason I wanted to uh, uh, go with this sequence because I think it's terrifically staged especially for uh, early horror. Mm. Um, you've just got the two guys sat at the table and um, you hear the creature's footsteps approaching and uh, Henry goes, oh, here he comes now, Turns, turn out the light. Yes. Yeah, um, and they turn to the door and this is something when I was talking to Kelly about the Mummy episode, it's, it's strange now to see films where you don't have music. It's, it's a silent sequence, isn't it? 
Yeah, this is, yeah, this is, well, we haven't gotten to the shot where there would, and nowadays there'd be a tremendous fanfare and just a huge orchestral strike to, like, coax the audience into jumping out of their chairs. Yeah, and I know which I prefer, I tell you. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so they turn to the door. As I say, no music at all. The door opens and it's a long shot. And uh, it's very clear that there's something not quite right as you can't immediately see a face in the gloom. You, his, mm. his, his silhouette's there, but you can't see his face. Um, and we cut to a close up of his head and shoulders and you can see why he's, he's actually got his back to us. Right. Which is a brilliant way of introducing him. Um, it's not what you expect. It also infers that he's he's not all there. You know, he's he's approached the door, but he's the wrong way round. Right, right. So, so it, again, there's an implication his brain isn't functioning <laughs> quite right. It's abby normal. Once through the door, he slowly turns into the light, and we get this very very slow turn, and uh, we get a brief profile of him as he turns his head towards the camera. And the, the light catches his eye and you start to see his face. Now, now of course, we, we haven't really discussed this about how the beginning of this film, you had actually, you had Edward Van Sloan come in, come round the curtain, doesn't he? And, and talks to the audience and warns oh, yeah. them that, you know, it might shock you, it might horrify you and, you know, you've had your warning. Yes, yes. Now, I'm... I don't know if you know anything about this, but I don't know if that was put on as a late addition. Did they test screen it? And, you know, it it was the case that he was so horrifying that they thought they had to do this. Or is this, you know, just an early example of a, a bit of PR publicity? I do know it's a late edition and I don't recall. Oh, man, it's I'd have to, I remember learning this in the episode that we did. We covered it. It was a late edition and it was after test screenings, but I don't know. If it was because of the reaction of the test screenings or they had the idea at the test screenings, it's one of the two. But it is a late – it's a post-edition after initial filming and editing. So that, that part is right. The reasoning, I don't recall. I've got a feeling that after the test screenings, when people did react, because, you know, there's talk about, you know, people fainting and, and whatever, mm. it wasn't so much of – Let's put the warning just to take the curse off of it because we have covered ourselves. I think it's more like, you know, when in the 50s when you had horror films and you would have an ambulance parked outside. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's more, uh, yeah, I think it's more a publicity yeah. thing. It was already raising the anxiety level before the movie even started. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, he, he turns to the camera and then we get this cut up, as you say, uh, uh, sorry, close up. Um, without music at all, it's a different take. Um, the light's more subtle and his head is dipped slightly. So he's kind of like looking at us through his heavily lidded eyes, isn't he? Yes. And we just stare at him and he stares at us. It's a, it's a beautiful moment. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, that shot of him and that is where, I mean, the, I guess it's almost, it's three, Three shots, full body, then like mid chest. No, actually, like shoulders to head, and then his face. If, if if you gave that to a composer today, there's I could actually hear the three straight orchestral strikes as the camera zoomed in and just like overplay that that's or overblow that scene. It but, would almost be like psycho music, you know? This yeah, screeching. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. So yeah, we have that cut. We have another cut. So now it's just his face from basically his eyebrows to his chin. 
all in silence. He's looking at you. <laughs> we're looking at him. Yeah. <laughs> but then we cut back to a long shot and, and we see his full figure there. And uh, with what looks like massively elongated arms, which, of course, it isn't. It's that it's just a simple trick. They've just cut the, the, the sleeves of the jacket short, yeah. haven't they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. But yeah, it's, it's not long arms and short sleeves. Yeah. And he, he is sort of like hunched with them hanging down. But it's all in implication. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, Henry bids him to come over and sit down and he shuffles over. Um, and all the while, Waldman, he he's got his hand on a lever. Um, I'm not quite sure why he's got his hand on that lever. <laughs> That's a good question. I don't know. If, I can't. No, it, it it's not. I mean, what what's he going to do if he pulls that lever? Why has he I got his know. hand on that lever? <laughs> you know, I have, it's funny. I have um, cartoons on the mind because we, we found it. We stumbled upon a, a uh, Internet um, uh, channel called After School Cartoons. And I picture that he's if he pulls that, a safe's going to come down and crush Frankenstein as a safety measure. Or a trap door opens and yeah, away he goes. Right, yeah. <laughs> but that's it. That's the sequence. As I say, it, it's not much in the way of a special effects sequence aside from the makeup, which we're going to be talking about in a minute. But it's just a complete iconic moment of uh, film. Yeah, it's really the first or one of the first, if not the first kind of monster reveal in a monster movie. Hmm. I mean, Dracula was kind of uh, a little more not subtle is the word that comes to mind, but that's not it. It, it wasn't as you met him from the beginning of the movie and you kind of rolled into Count Dracula being a villain. Mm. This was a monster being created for the past well, third of the movie and then the reveal. Yeah, and you do see bits of him. You see the arm with the scars yeah. on it as he's being assembled. You know he's a monster. Yes. Dracula, the Bela Lugosi Dracula, yes, he is a monster. He is a vampire, but he's he just looks like a portly Eastern, <laughs> yeah. Eastern European gentleman, doesn't he? Right. I don't yeah. I don't think film-wise, um, before this, um, really, there's only another character that's coming up this month, um, uh, Count Orlock in Nosferatu, who is a true monster character who gets a monster reveal. Yeah, that's good. That's that's another good example. Yeah, yeah. So this is this is in that that original collection of uh, of original of monster movies and one of the first reveals. Now, I mean, now you, you're waiting for it. You go to a movie called you know called Super Monster, and you're you're waiting for that mm. that that. 15 minute build up to the bam with the music, you know, but this was, you didn't know what to expect when you first sat down to this movie in, in the 1930s. So this is new to everybody. And, and of course, you know, in the titles, in the credits, it was just question mark as the monster yeah. to begin <laughs> yep, with, wasn't yep. it? Yeah. And, um, some of the early posters, they didn't actually show his face either. Um, right. It's only when it was out and about that, um, they then, and on re-releases, because this was an immensely popular film, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Yes. So we might as well go on to behind the scenes about all that. Now, okay. you, I know, you, Matt, you're a massive Universal Monster fan, so I'm I'm not going to tell you anything that you don't already know. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> for the benefit of the show, please go along with me. Sure. All right. So by 1930, Universal Studios, they were in a pretty bad way financially. Uh, not too dissimilar to how they were... 
20 odd years later in the 50s they were in a bad way and that's when hammer came along and asked for permission to you know um um, do their versions and that that gave them a shot in the arm and they had a shot in the arm here in a big way when they made dracula yes didn't they the year before and uh carl lemley jr announced immediately plans for more horror films so you know the first one was a smash hit dracula so what can we do hang on a minute we've got frankenstein let's do frankenstein now matt have you read ever read the novel the mm, yes this one i have i'm sorry i get it confused with the actual bram stoker uh, stoker's dracula mm. um i have read the mary shelley's frankenstein i will be honest after l- learning the story through movies in a sense tv shows and other things it took me quite a few tries to set it down and pick it back up again to get through the original text of this. I think we've been spoiled. We've had so many movie adaptations yeah. of both yes. characters. When you go back, it is that both books are a bit of a plod. Yeah, compared to the rapid storytelling we got, especially with this movie. This movie, I don't believe, is even 90 minutes, if I recall correctly. No, it's just under, it's, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's super short and super fast. I mean, you get... Well, what we think is the 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 birth, the conflict, and the and what we think is a death, I should say. Of course, that pans out not to be true. Um, very rapidly, as opposed to this very long, wordy book, by comparison. Yeah, right. For the people who haven't read the book and don't want the plot of going for the book, uh, I'd just like to mention a few differences between the novel and this uh, first uh universal version um in the novel the creature was in, intended to be beautiful um intelligent fast strong and downright eloquent in his speech but being brought to life uh frankenstein describes it as hideous but it was still fast and it was very intelligent and was still able to talk so completely different to what we see here with Karloff. yeah uh, the book had no hunchbacked assistant. Again, here we go. This is the first time you ever have a hunchback assistant. What do you have <laughs> after this? You must have a hunchbacked assistant. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, no abnormal brain. That was uh, something that was thought up for the screenplay. Um, in the book, the method of animating the creature is never revealed um, as Frankenstein refuses to divulge it. Because, of course, the novel, it's Frankenstein telling the story. So he's deliberately vague because he didn't want anyone else to recreate his actions. So he never actually says how he uh, animates uh, the creature. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the use of lightning here to resurrect him, um, that's become the accepted norm. And it appears in virtually every Frankenstein movie ever since. And again, that wasn't in the book, but this is where it starts. So everybody has, has gone with it since. Right, right. Um, In the book, the Doctor betrayed his creation. Uh, First, he abandoned it after giving it life. Then he creates a second monster designed to be its bride. Um, And the monster had intended to take his bride to live in a faraway land where there were no other humans. Um, But the Doctor, just before gave the bride life, chose instead to destroy it. So that kind of like uh, throws out the sequel um, there, doesn't it? Yeah. (laughs) And in the novel, the creature also kills most of Frankenstein's family throughout the novel. Um, kills uh, Victor's brother, his wife, best friend. Um, Victor's father dies because of an illness shortly after all this. So it becomes a real grudge match. You know, the creature wants revenge uh, for killing the bride. 
Victor wants revenge for the creature killing his family. Right. Okay. Yeah. Wow. This is. <laughs> there's a yeah. <laughs> If they followed the text in this one, they would have killed a franchise in one film. <laughs> um, also, his name was changed from Victor in the book to Henry in the film because Universal, Universal decided it sounded too severe and unfriendly to American audiences. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> That's an interesting decision on their part. Well, Henry does sound very, um, you it know. It is softer sounding. I mean, Victor has two very sharp. Uh, yeah. consonants in it i guess i mean if, if you want to go with the actual uh, aesthetics in the the, the uh um oh what's the word i shoot yeah yeah forget it but, it's very yeah. homely <laughs> henry is yeah, a very homely yeah, name, it is, you know? yeah it is yeah you'd get that in a sitcom you know the father in a sitcom would be called henry he wouldn't be called victor victor yeah right <laughs> oh, yeah okay uh the time period and setting of the film are never mentioned um, the electrical equipment points it to be somewhere in the late, late Victorian, you say the late 1800s. But the book is set at the start of the 1800s. Um, the names of the characters and locations seem to be mainly German, but the actors are mostly British with British right. accents. aren't they? So it's this strange Europe that Universal created over the course of like 10 years where everybody was frightfully British. But it was clearly set somewhere that wasn't Britain. Yeah. <laughs> and then you had Bill Lugosi in the middle of all that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Kenneth Strick, I can't say it, Strick Fadden. Uh, he designed the electrical effects used in the creation scene. Now, they became an instant classic, didn't they? <laughs> you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Again, had to be used in everything. Apparently, the equipment came to be known as Strick Faddens. Oh, well, OK. Yeah, it appears that Strick Fadden managed to secure the use of at least one real Tesla coil built oh, wow. by the invent. Yeah, built by Nikola Tesla himself. Right. Yeah. And according to the same source, Strick Fadden also doubled for Karloff during the creation scene, as Karloff was afraid of being burned by the sparks given <laughs> off by it all. Yeah, well, <laughs> I can't blame him for that. Yeah, this is the first time stuff like this is being done. <laughs> And there is no uh, – well, maybe there – I take it back. There probably is some kind of actor's union, but not to the extent – there's there's no OSHA. There's no, no. <laughs> rules and regulations uh, in eight volumes that they were following. So, yeah, this is kind of – this is kind of – it could be a little intimidating. I mean, it, also, going back to our last uh, episode, War of the Worlds, back then, health and safety really didn't factor too much in, did it? Nope. Nope. <laughs> not <laughs> at all. Yeah. Okay, let's get on to I keep trying to call him the monster, but he's not. He's he's never referred to as the monster in the book. He's the creature. He's and of course, you know, a lot of people think Frankenstein is the creature. It's not yeah. Frankenstein is 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 the creator, not the creature. Do you get bothered by that? I know I I have a a, a small community of friends that are very horror horror is there that's that's my group of friends and and it goes all the way back to these movies and some of them get very angry when people confuse the two or misuse the name i should say does it bother you no because i grew up on him he was called frankenstein you know yeah the, okay the old aurora kits you know all the bubblegum cards it just called him frankenstein i know now that it, that wasn't his name but no i'm not bothered by it okay that's an interesting way i i just it just didn't bother me it, and i never i never i never thought to figure out why it doesn't bother me and bother some people i just can't it's like okay this so this person who has never actually seen the movie 
and you're not going to talk to about it anyway, he calls it the wrong thing. You can just walk away. You don't need to get all upset yeah, yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It's not worth it. No. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. So the creatures look. You know that was all down to makeup artist Jack Pierce. Oh yeah. Yep. And he came up with the innovations such as uh, Frankenstein's flat head. Do you know why he's got a flat head? No, actually, I don't. Yeah, apparently the idea was um, he knew that he would have to put a brain into this skull from somewhere else. So it's basically a lid with clamps on it. So it's a lid that you open, you put the brain in, and you staple the lid back down again. Okay, (laughs) yeah, sure. (laughs) Um, He hasn't got bolts through the neck. That's what annoys me when people sometimes say, oh, he's got bolts in the neck. They're not. They're electrodes, aren't they? Right, yes, yes. Yeah, he came up with that. He also came up with the droopy eyelids, the fake eyelids, uh, to give him that uh, hangdog look. And the, uh, we were talking about the sleeves there. The suit was designed to, um, you know, make it look like he was much bigger than he actually was. Yeah, right, right. Something I found out going through research for this is the makeup design by Jack Pierce is under copyright to Universal only through to the year 2026. Oh, okay. It's got to be. I can't imagine that's by design. That must be a legal thing. That must have been when, it, as far as they could do, because I'd imagine they don't want to get rid yeah, of that, that cash cow. Yeah, that, that, they've got to renew it. It's isn't that the reason why Disney occasionally make a Mickey Mouse thing because they've got to every so often produce a Mickey Mouse thing because otherwise, you know, there's something it will fall out of copyright or something. You know, or it's, other. Fu- it's funny. I've not heard not you say that. I've heard that about other things, not Mickey Mouse specifically, but other things. And it would apply exactly to what you're talking about. I, I have heard that before. Yeah, for, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Right. So maybe that's why this, uh, maybe this dark universe is, well, that's 2026. Well, oh, that, that's well, a good it's point. nine years, nine that years. Is. It's, so yeah, yeah so, dark, dark universe. Sorry, sorry, I know, I know I'm like trying, trying not to continue <laughs> to talk over you. I was gonna say the dark universe might be the the try to the start to ramp up to get all these back into uh, uh, to the renewal point. So can we infer from that then that when the dark universe Frankenstein's creature comes out, it will look like the Jack Pierce makeup? Oh, I would actually, I would love. I don't mind them updating it with what they have on hand to do makeup today, but I would absolutely love the, the foundation of actually all these creatures, like everything, the bride the creature from the black lagoon. I would lo- love all of them to be kind of like, just make the foundation, the original, then build like just, you know, modernize it, not necessarily to reimagine it, but w- okay. We have different techniques. We have different um, materials, I would love to see these rebuilt with modern materials, but not not completely reimagined. I would love that in the in this dark universe. That they must that they've got to do it. I'm I'm sure they will have to do. You've got to have the flat head there. You've got to have the electrodes yeah. in the neck. You know. Um, yes. Have you ever seen a Hammer film called uh, The Evil of Frankenstein? No, not that one. I've seen very few Hammer films compared to the Universal. Right, films. right. Um, when Universal said to hammer yeah you can make frankenstein the no-no was you do not go anywhere near jack pierce's design so that's when oh okay. yeah that's when you had christopher lee uh his design but the relationship between hammer and universal got quite chummy after about 10 years and they made a film called evil with frankenstein and now universal said yes you can you can do 
a variation on Jack Pierce's and you should Google it because that is how not to do it. You know, <laughs> the makeup guy is a guy by the name of Roy Ashton. And um, I've got a much admiration for him because, you know, he, he did an awful lot of brilliant um, makeup effects for the Hammer films. But Evil of Frankenstein, the, the, the monster was played by a guy called he was a wrestler by the name of Kiwi Kingston. And Roy Ashton actually had permission to, you know, do the flathead thing. And it's awful. You know, oh, I'm looking at it now. Yeah. See, that's the kind of reimagining I don't want to see. That's what I'm saying. They cannot. Yep. Please, <laughs> Dark Universal, yeah. don't don't do that. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's not good, is it? No, no, not at all. Anyway, back on track. Yeah. <laughs> the popular image of Frankenstein's creature is green skinned. Um, and that started here. And it was because Jack Pierce, he applied a grayish green grease paint for the monster's skin that would show up in black and white as deathly pale gray, you see. Mm, okay. So it was never meant to be green. It was just painted that way so it would look gray on screen. Yeah. You know, yep. but yeah. I guess people saw, you know, behind the scenes color photos of it and um, and off you go with a green monster. Right. You know, um, I'm sure, you know, Boris Karloff, he, he offered to remove his partial bridge work. He had, um, yep. yeah, and he re- removed that to get his hot... <laughs> It does look amazing, you know. <laughs> it's a great addition. It's yeah, it, it's it's so subtle but effective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't think I mean by the time of like Son of Frankenstein uh, came around, I don't think he did it then. I mean, you know, he he was a jobbing actor when he got this gig, and you know, he he was quite lean. But by the time Son of Frankenstein came along, you know, he had put on a bit more weight. So you've got a bit of a stockier creature yeah, in that yeah. film, haven't you? You know. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah, and the last thing about behind the scenes, the the thick sole boots the creature wears are known as hot asphalt boots. Um, and they were used by men who had to work with hot asphalt on the roads. And it's there basically, uh, to, to, it's there to specially designed to stop uh, the heat getting to their feet, yeah. you know? Yep. I could see now. I didn't know that. I didn't put that together, but with just that one sentence, it all made perfect sense. Yeah. It, it, it had a dual function. It made him a lot taller, but also they weighed a ton. So that actually helped his shuffling gait that he's got, you know? Yeah. And it seems to anchor him down to have that kind of forward lean in that mm. scene we were talking about to open the show too which is actually interesting it's almost like kind of like we said his mind's not all there it's like parts of his body are mm. not everything's firing at the same time yeah if you were wearing normal shoes and you tried that you would fall flat on your face wouldn't yep, you? exactly you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right well that's behind the scenes all right and as you know you being a veteran of this show now that means going on to a rating mm-hmm. what do you give it matt Okay, so um, not apologizing for time because in this case it's the first one. Usually, you have to apologize for time in between. So it's there's some rough stuff about it, but it's also the first time it's ever done. I will say the one thing that um, I it's I don't want to say don't like the thing I like least, even though it is effective, is the walking in backwards because um, when I first saw it without considering everything that's going on in the creature's head or, or in this case not going on it seemed a little weird and i wondered why they never shot from the feet and panned the way up it makes more sense now but my initial real like actually taking the movie in i didn't like it so it still stuck with me but that's really the only thing the makeup is just amazing and it deserves that that kind of segment where, where the camera works its way to close up on his face to to take it all in 
so all in all, um, just because of the, 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 I cannot get over the, the backwards walk that bothered me so long ago. I I'm going with an eight and a half to just take it under that nine that if it hadn't bothered me, or if they shot from his feet would probably be make it a nine. See, I, I was listening to you there and I thought you were going to go for a nine. I thought mm, he's going to mm. say a nine. He's going to say a nine, but you dropped it another half point. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's fair enough for me. It's a classic, iconic moment of film, and I'm giving it a 10. Okay. I don't mind the backward walk at all. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah, no. Tr- tr- we've we've said this, you and I on this show and other people as well. What on earth did the original audience make of this? Yeah, right. Yep. Hmm. Yeah, no. So, yeah, I'm giving it a 10 out of 10. So that gives it an average of 9.25. Okay. Good. Okay. As long as it's over 9. Yeah. <laughs> then I, won't, I don't feel so bad. It's going to be very interesting at the end of this month um, to see of the four horror characters that we're going to be doing, who gets the highest. Right, right. And this is uh, high right from the beginning. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Okay. First out the gate, nice and high. Right. Second out the gate is our second guest star for this this week's show. The... A lot of people think that this Universal Frankenstein film was the very first depiction. And, of course, it isn't. But not a lot of people know that. Um, There was an earlier version in 1910 made by the Edison Film Studios. Now, when did when were you first aware of this one? Uh, This is this is way later. This isn't one of those ones that I always knew about, like like this Frankenstein. Um, I would say when I started to really appreciate the the Universal monster movies and and sit and actively watch them instead of passively watching them because they happen to be on that day. uh, I started to learn to also would delve into the history of the character. First, the filmmaking, then the characters and what led up to it. And somewhere along that line in Frankenstein, I learned about the Edison one. It was at best mid 90s late 90s maybe even the early 2000s when i had actually come across the fact that edison had made a frankenstein movie all right i'm a bit different to you i i've known about it since the 70s oh wow Uh, okay yeah i've said before about in the 70s there was this huge flux of horror film books that were released and of course i devoured them i bought each one of them up and in there there was a particular still that i used to just study and it's the guy who's playing the creature called charles ogle and i don't know if you've seen this image of him but it's a very bizarre image he's got his arms and hands up to his chest and he's doing this really strange open mouth expression yep. to the camera. Yeah, I, I know you the know picture the one you're I mean? talking about. Yeah, 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 and that would be in these horror books. And, you know, there'll be a section on Frankenstein, and there you go, there's the Universal ones, there's the Hammer ones, and then there'll be this guy with his fright wig and doing this strange face with this strange thing with his hands, and it's like, what the heck is this? You know? <laughs> and then to find out that it was in 1910, it's like, you're kidding. But that was yeah. it. That's that, that's as far as I, I, I knew, because it... it all the books said it's a lost film. It's funny you say that you learned it researching horror in books, and it's just it just is a, a commentary on when you start searching these things. Because I would start searching these, like I said, kind of in the mid to late nineties, and I I guarantee I came across it on a documentary that was a DVD extra, right. which is in a sense a you know video version of the book you were probably reading. Yeah. Yeah, it's just twenty years apart, but it's yeah, the same exactly. thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yep. But yeah, it, it was it was considered a lost film, 
Um, so that's that's the extent of it. Um, I didn't see it until clips started appearing on YouTube. I don't know why I did it. I started typing in. I think there was a garage kit out in the 90s, uh, a resin garage kit off of him. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's when I started looking on YouTube. And, yeah, clips started to appear. And they were very brief clips. And in some of the cases, you're kind of glad that they were very brief clips because, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, what I was seeing didn't kind of match what I thought it might be after studying that still for, you know, 20, 25 years. Yeah, I got you. I could see exactly <laughs> where that would happen. Yeah. Yes. But we were just talking off air there. It is now fully available on YouTube. Uh, if folk want to take a look at what we're talking about, you can go on YouTube. It's there in its entirety in its massive 13 minute length. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I love silent cinema. I, I love the early days of Hollywood and the early days of cinema. And um, I love the quaintness of it. I love the speed of it. And the fact that you could actually boil down the entire plot of Frankenstein into 13 minutes. <laughs> it's just yeah. amazing. So, yeah, um, it, it's from 1910. As I say, it was made by the Edison Studios. It was written and directed by somebody called J. Searle Dawley. And um, as I say, it's the first motion picture adaptation of the novel. The cast was unbilled. Again, this is really taking you back to the early days of uh, yeah. a film. But uh, Dr. Frankenstein is played by a guy by the name of Augustus Phillips. Charles Ogle, as I say, was Fra Frankenstein's creature, and Mary Fuller was the Doctor's fiancé. Um, the film was shot in three days at the Edison Studios in the Bronx. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, now, that seems a very short time, but when you think it's only 13 minutes long, maybe it's not. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so for many years, as I say, it was believed a, a lost film. Um, that there, A plot and stills from it were discovered back in the early 60s, because even before the early 60s, there were no, no stills from it either. So um, they found a catalogue from Edison Films in the early 60s, and that's where that photo I saw in the 70s in my horror books came from. Okay, right. But uh, a nitrate print was found, um, um, it was bought by a Wisconsin film collector by the name of Alois Dentlaff, which is a great name. Um, <laughs> and, um, he didn't realize its rarity until many years later. Um, although it had been deteriorated, it has been restored now and it was put out on DVD, um, about six or seven years ago. And I think that's where the, um, the YouTube, uh, film in its entirety comes from. Mm. so as i say it's amazing the whole film is told in 13 minutes okay but it's not really a surprise let's get get into this there's no clip because it's a silent film so <laughs> right, yeah. let's get into it um it's not a surprise it only takes 13 minutes it the film starts immediately with a caption saying that frank frankenstein's going off to college and like i say this is the early days of film and in the early days of film they're basing everything on stage aren't they yeah, right. Okay, that's a good way to say it, yes. Yeah, so you have a set, you have a camera pointing without moving at the set, and you've got very, very pantomime acting, because, of course, the actors still hadn't realized that you don't have to project yourself to the people <laughs> sitting up in the gods <laughs> yeah. of the theater. So they've still, they. I mean, it's in its infancy. Cinema's been around, what, 
12, 13 years, something like this. So you've got stage actors coming on, they're being filmed, but they're giving it their all, going what we look like, what occurs to us now to be quite over the top. But that's the way it was back then. Yeah, right. That's true. Yeah. So we see him very theatrically saying goodbye to his fiance and some guy. I don't know if that's his dad or what. Uh, you see him leave. You immediately get another caption saying that uh, after two years, he's discovered the secret of life. That's my favorite part of this whole movie. That <laughs> that, that screen. After yes. two years. After two years. Yes. I, I know a lot of kids that would say that after two years of college. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> According to Frankenstein, I think discovering the secret of life seems to be him overacting. <laughs> yeah. That's, I'm not sure what he's doing between this and then when we see the, uh, the uh, letter. Yeah. Well, he, he seems quite happy. I guess if you've discovered the secret of life, you would be happy. So there's that lots of throwing sense. your arms around. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he's thrown his arms around a human skull as well. He's kind of like fondling <laughs> a skull far too uh, fondly. I think I think he's I think he's missing his fiance. It's been two years, hasn't it? Uh, it's almost like he realized that's like the piece he's forgot to put on all the bodies. Oh my god, the head! Of course, <laughs> it needs a head. I'll do that after I've I've written a letter, and he writes his yeah. letter to his fiance to say that he's going to create the perfect human being. Hmm. Mm. <laughs> and then the caption says that the evil in his mind instead creates a monster. Now, what does that mean? I don't know. That's a good question. That's a, that's, hmm. His subconscious? I don't know. I'm not sure. I got an inference from that, that it's almost a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde sort of thing. Okay. That's pretty good, too. Yeah. But I think we're giving this film far too much credit by giving it I that. I think so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because we then cut to him actually creating the perfect human being. And I'm guessing he is a scientist. It doesn't say he's a scientist, but he's got this whacking great cauldron. Okay. Yeah. In what appears to be a wardrobe, (laughs) you know, and he starts adding ingredients into it, which make puffs of smoke each time. This scene, when he's starting to do this, reminds me an awful lot of Georges Méliès films um, of like, you know, the 1898, 1899, around that time. We've advanced, you know, like, you know, 10 years, but. This is very much in the tradition, this whole, it's almost like a vaudeville thing. It's like a stage musician performing to an audience, isn't it? It sure is. Yeah, that's exactly what it looks like. Yeah, so he does all this. He he chucks all this stuff into into the cauldron. He closes the doors of the wardrobe and bars it, and he's got a peephole in the door. Yeah. Okay. Um, Right, so we next see the creature actually coming to life. Now, the creation of the creature was achieved by burning a partly puppeteered paper mache model of a man um, and playing it in reverse. So it looks like he's been built from the ashes in the cauldron. Yeah. Fair yeah, enough. Which is, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, that's obvious, but then you consider this as 1910 and it's actually pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah, it's partially puppeteered. You've got the arms moving, you, you know, halfway through the, his, <laughs> that his, his is, creation. <laughs> that is the part that's hard to laugh at is that when the, the right arm appears and it's just kind of wiggling for like, you know, the next three scenes. I was thinking if he just sat up right and, you know, if they had allowed this paper mache uh, model to burn and then fall over and then you reverse that and he just sat up, if it might have been more effective. But, yeah, it's that it's that rather daft right arm yeah bobbing around i'll tell you what i did like is if you look at it carefully just before he's he's um 
reassembled like that, his nose appears to be wax because it kind of like drips up onto the no. face. So <laughs> I, I think, yeah, I don't know if they had done it with the whole face, but definitely the nose was made out of wax because you can clearly see this this wax falling up and onto the onto his face. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. So that would have been good. The thing that I find dis- distracting, though, it's the smoke and the flames, of course. Yeah. They're in reverse as well. Yes, yeah. But this is 1910, and this is early right. cinema, and I'm sure the audience of the day, again, would have been quite horrified by this. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, yeah, it is. It's, it's actually quite horrific. <laughs> I'll tell you what's horrific, and that's Frankenstein giving horrific reactions. He's mugging like mad outside that door, isn't he? <laughs> Yeah, he's turning to the camera to do it as well. He's breaking the fourth wall. (laughs) It's like it's 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 like I actually want to take this and like put it instead of pictures of the um of the monster being built. I want to put in like old vintage peep show videos because the it would just play off (laughs) hilarious. I think. Yeah, yeah. You never know; somebody might do it. You know. I'm sure that's probably actually been done now that I say it. Yeah. Yeah. So so he's going ott. He's outside the cabinet. We see the door open and this long fingered hand comes out and kind of like beckons at him a little bit, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we get much more over the top acting as um, Frankenstein retires to his bedroom because he knows he's created this monster. Yeah. Like I say, all these sets are very stagey, you know, yes. um, that's clearly, you, you know, another set and the camera's there. He is going over the top. He retires to his bed and in comes the creature. Well, well, half of him, because he's sort of like, yeah. he's covered by a curtain. He sort of like leans in, doesn't yeah, he? I'm, I'm trying to figure out how this, yeah, where he's coming from in relation to this room in this building. But I probably shouldn't think that hard about it. No, no. I'm thinking, you know, throughout this whole film, I'm, I don't think he's there. I think you're meant to infer it's all, all in his mind. I, oh, I know. By the end. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, but, so, but so this is this, more a dream, yeah. isn't it? When he yeah, appears right. to him. We, yeah. we, so we, here, here we go. Here we have um, Charles Ogle. He's big and muscular. Um, he's got a naked torso showing far too much hair and <laughs> big eyebrows. Um, if you're on the computer there, uh, Matt, can you just type mm-hmm. in carry on screaming? Okay. And then odd bod. O-D-D-B-O-D. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> right. Now, yeah. Carry On Screaming. I don't know if you know the Carry On films, but they, uh, they, 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 they were spoof films of you know, the 50s, 60s, and 70s where they would send up a, a, a given genre or subject. And uh-huh. that was their horror version, a brilliant film. And the monsters in it called Odd Bod and Odd Bod Jr. They are clearly you know, <laughs> riffing on Charles Ogle because whenever oh, I yeah. see Charles Ogle now, it's like, that's Odd Bod. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> the hairy naked body and the big eyebrows you know? <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and also something i didn't mention is um it's not very clear here but Cho- charles ogle um has actually got a flat top head oh really okay. yeah he designed his own makeup apparently oh that's okay neat and he he came up with a flat top head now whether jack pierce actually saw this because it's conceivable he might have seen it when he was a young lad or something yeah that's possible before the film got lost but uh yeah it seems to predate jack pierce by 11 years oh wow yeah you're right yep yeah 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 so um yeah frankenstein faints this is what makes me think that he's a figment of frankenstein's imagination because the creature goes away uh, almost immediately frankenstein right. faints. the butler comes in and the creature just goes away yeah, yeah, exactly. The uh, 
Yeah, that's exactly once he loses, I guess, consciousness. Yeah. Instead of, I mean, he was he was asleep before, but he was dreaming, so there was that state. So it's like yeah. a completely different state. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Frankenstein, he returns home, and we then get a strange setup where Frankenstein is with his intended in their parlor, <laughs> and that on that shot, the whole right side of the screen is taken up with a wall mirror showing a different <laughs> view on the room, which is kind of nifty, I think, for 1910. It is, yeah. I, I actually think, like I said, my favorite part was the panel that said he learned the secret of life in two years. My favorite shot might be his entry in the scene before this, the the grandiose entrance into the glass <laughs> door with the top hat. Oh, man. Oh, man. It's not subtle. Subtle is not no, a word you use on this film, is it? Subtle, no, no. no. Um, the bride-to-be, she leaves, and we see in the mirror the creature coming through the door. Um, again, if that is an actual creature, how did he get in the house? I've got this idea of the creature's been walking down the street, and nobody yeah, is... You know, how did he get there? You know, how did he get in the house? I'm thinking it is a figment of his imagination. Oh, it's got to be yeah, at this point. Otherwise, he just made this creature and just like let it loose. And that was it. It's like, I'm oh, I made it. I'm done. Yeah. This project's done. Yeah. They have that. They have a bit of an argument, uh, Frankenstein and the creature. Uh, but then again, the creature hides behind a curtain when the bride comes back in. Right. This, is, this is all very pantomime. You know, this <laughs> yeah. is all... I know it's early days, but it, it just makes me think of, you know, children's pantomimes or something like that, where the bad guy goes off and hides every time, you know, the hero comes in, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, blimey. Um, Frankenstein gets rid of her and um, the creature comes back out. They continue to argue and uh, argue to argue <laughs> and tussle. Um, and then the creature catches sight of himself in the mirror, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. Yes. And away he goes. Yeah. We're only about what eight minutes into this film. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, there's this whole, there's a whole another uh, party he's got to go to. I guess I don't know what do you call that. Yeah, because then we fast forward to their wedding night. Oh, that's what. Yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, it's the wedding reception. They're they're leaving. I get it. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's now their wedding night. Uh, they're preparing for bed. Uh, in comes the creature again, who scares the bride off screen. Yeah, because she goes off screen. He goes off screen. She comes back into Frankenstein's room and faints, and in comes the creature. More arguing. Okay? I'm right here, yeah. aren't I? Yeah, the creature the <laughs> yes. creature runs off. He goes back to the room with a mirror, doing a bit more over-the-top acting. But then yeah. there's something, and I, I had to rewind this and watch this again. It's a pretty well-done shot. You see the creature in the mirror. Yes. And on our side of the mirror... But then our one on our side of the mirror vanishes, but the one in the mirror stays. Yep. So that's got to be two actors copying each other. Right. Yeah. It, it, I imagine it had to be. Yeah. In this time period. It's got to be. But I, I had to go back and rewatch it. They've done that. that done that blooming well. You know, it was done so well. It was one of those things that had happened. And it's like, I'm so used to flawless special effects or to an extent that it didn't phase me that. I didn't consider the year or what had happened. It just had happened. And I can't continue to watch. It wasn't until after like sometime after that, I'm like, Oh wait, wait a minute. What just, <laughs> what happened back yeah, there? That's exactly the same with me. I had to rewind. It. It's like, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> Cause up until this point, you've bet you've had paper mache dummies being yeah, filmed right. in, in reverse. You've got an awful lot of over the top acting. And then suddenly something quite well accomplished happens. It's like, yes. Oh, 
Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty darn good, actually. Right. So Frankenstein comes in. We have him and the creature in the mirror. And then the creature vanishes, leaving Frankenstein with his reflection in the mirror. Right. And then that's it. Yeah. That's the end. Yep. And that is, that's when, yeah, I'm, I think the audience is, is confirmed that this is all on his head. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. That's the end. Yeah. So there's no behind the scenes because <laughs> there's nothing, there's nothing about it. Um, right. Apart from what we've just been discussing. So what do you think then? It was actually pretty impressive. I'd seen um, still shots, like you said, of the monster. I, uh, what's funny is the sequence, some of the sequence of the monster's creation, I had absolutely seen before, but like did not. It was, I think so, it was strung together as one piece because I had never, to my recollection, had seen the uh, Franken, Dr. Frankenstein reacting outside of that before, right. which actually made, which made that the the introduction of him throwing the the ashes into the into the cauldron shutting the door and then watching made that scene a lot different than I had originally seen it so i was actually i was pleasantly surprised by this entire thing i i i what little i'd seen before didn't really interest me to pursue watching it so i'm glad you brought it up and and brought it in it was it was a fun thing to watch hmm. Hmm. but what do you give it out of 10 oh god <laughs> <laughs> What do you give it out of 1910? That's the problem. Good line. Ah, jeez. You know, um, I don't want to be too mean on it, but I'm going to, let's say, let's say, I don't want to say quite a five. I'll say like a six because there are some things that are, that are a 10, like that camera transition, but then there's some things that are one. So I'm going to be a little generous and say six, I think. Well, I'm echoing you. That's exactly what I was going to give it. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> yeah, because you've got to remember it's the very early days of cinema. You've got an awful lot of hang-ons from stage traditions, but yeah. that that creature's design is is still quite startling. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So something I thought of um, about it. Do you think it's meant to invoke? Um, of course, in those days, you, you you have traveling circuses, and you would have what are called freak shows. Do you suppose it's meant to invoke something? Memories of maybe that. I could see that. I didn't think of that while watching it, but it it certainly could. Because I'm, if you're basing it, you know, what else apart from the novel? What what else have you got around you? Yeah, you know, to actually inspire you. You know, that's a good it, point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I and mean, it is kind of like the you would get like the um uh it's kind of like the uh uh oh, what the heck I can't think of a particular freak show, but like a kind of like a beast man yeah type character that's i could see and, and then and then kind of uh take it a little higher go go put a little more uh a little more grotesque I could, that that i could see that because this is early early cinema and right i've mentioned georges melier before and you know he was doing you, you, you know quite quite a lot of fantasy films but not outright horror um no, no. and of course if they w were reading the book to base it on he's not really described in the book so it's quite groundbreaking when you think about it if, if true yeah 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 no 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 I, I think a six is fair enough yeah for yep <laughs> there's some really cool stuff in it but there's this like yeah even for the um taking into consider, consideration of time it's still <laughs> there's still some problems with it yeah 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 but it's a product of its time isn't it 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. All absolutely. Right. Okay. Well, thank you for today, Matt. I think that's oh, us over. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, yep. I, I, I always enjoy being on the show. Thank you very much, sir. Um, yeah, next week we're going to be going about 40 years forward in time. So, everyone, stay tuned and see what we come up with for next week. Thanks, then, everybody, and goodbye.